Listener Production. Created for expectant parents, new mums, new grandparents, or women thinking about becoming pregnant. This series guides you through the highs and lows of pregnancy, giving birth, and the complexities of parenting. Welcome to Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin. So today we have a very important guest and I'm thrilled to introduce Australia's Chief Nursing and Midwifery Officer, Alison McMillan, to Birth, Baby and Beyond. And we're talking about pregnancy and COVID. And Alison, my end, when I see women a lot face-to-face, there's just so much anxiety and I'm thrilled that we can talk this through and give some really great advice and up-to-date advice because, you know, the chatter that goes on makes women really, really anxious for themselves and for their babies. It's been a challenging time for everyone, but I think um, women planning a pregnancy or being who are pregnant or breastfeeding, it's just that added you've got someone else you're so concerned about as yep. well. and. Of course, the advice has changed over time as well, which means that uh, people, you know, become a little uncomfortable if we change advice, but it's been for all of the really good reasons. And and we'll talk through that this afternoon about what's the the most up-to-date information and where you should get it from. So, Alison, what are the risks of women getting COVID-19? So I think it's a really important question. So let's just step through it very carefully. If you are pregnant, you are at higher risk of severe illness if you contract COVID-19. Women who contract COVID-19 while pregnancy have a higher risk of particular or certain complications. They face increased risk of requiring hospitalisation, even admission to intensive care. Unfortunately for some women, it's resulted in them needing to be on a ventilator or breathing life support. So that's the risk for women. But sadly also, we've seen in the evidence now During pregnancy, there's also a risk of complications for your newborn baby, including a slight increase in the risk of being born early or premature or before 37 weeks. And again, for that baby who's born early, an increased need to be in a NICU or newborn care. Mm -hmm. So an an important and very effective way to avoid all of that is to get vaccinated. Yeah, absolutely. So initially we heard through media that pregnant women it was not advisable to have immunisation. What what was the evidence to change that? So in the early days of the pandemic, as these vaccines became available for use, they didn't trial them on pregnant women. They concentrated their trials in, in healthy adults, but not pregnant women. Once the evidence grew and the understanding about how safe these vaccines were, we could see that there was more evidence to support the vaccine. And also, of course, some people were vaccinated not realising they were pregnant. So um, once the companies were were sufficiently satisfied that the vaccine was safe, then there were were trials run with pregnant women to to further look at the safety and efficacy of the vaccine. And more than 35,000 women, pregnant women in the United States, um, were vaccinated and showed no side effects after the vaccine other than those that we see amongst the general public. Yeah. So that's why the advice changed. So we continue to monitor the evidence across the world. And if the evidence changes, we may need to update our advice. What What are the main points that 
you know, has have arisen from the, the, the research now. So, so the research is really now extraordinarily clear. So we are now strongly recommending right. that women, obviously we're strongly recommending everyone get vaccinated, everyone that's eligible. And we're, we're now saying we're strongly recommending that women who are planning to or who are pregnant any stage of the pregnancy. Any stage of pregnancy, any stage great. Of pregnancy and to get um, vaccinated. And in the postnatal period, breastfeeding, all, all of, of the above. All of the above. So what yep. we know is that that vaccine will give you that really incredible protection against severe, severe disease, hospitalisation, but it also can protect the ba- your baby. Yeah. So yep. it protects the baby and yourself. And and what we've seen across the world is that unfortunately. Women with who have contracted COVID, the infection, have unfortunately on some occasions have a premature birth, which right. we know the risks associated. Is with this unimmunised women or unimmunised yes. women? So yep. that's the impact that we're seeing of COVID yeah, right. yeah. on unimmunised women. And I think you know, just when women are pregnant, there's you know, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't eat fish, you shouldn't eat cheese, you shouldn't do anything, and we're wanting them to have a vaccine. So you can under, we can understand that anxiety. And a lot of information I hear from women is that, and a lot of general people, oh, it's been rushed through. But what I've always said is that there's been a lot of money given to the experts to get this vaccine right. Obviously, there's been huge investment all mm. over the world and the, the greatest minds and expertise have turned themselves to this. And isn't it amazing to think that the first person who came up with a vaccine, of course, was, was a woman? Um, yes. With AstraZeneca. <laughs> but I think what is really, if I can explain that, is normally when when new science, health science, such as a vaccine is being developed, they have to wait until they've got enough cases in order to be able to get sufficient data to, to satisfy themselves of the safety. With COVID, we had such a world spread and there was so much COVID in the yeah. world population that we were able to gather, or the scientists were able to gather the information much quicker than they normally would. So there was a much wider population to gather from. And so it wasn't rushed. It wasn't approved without all of the absolutely necessary regulatory processes we have in here in Australia. We followed all of those. All of the vaccine companies were required to provide all of their data and, and continue to do so, so we can continue to monitor the vaccines over time. So, and, and it's also the communication between researchers and, and all the scientists who are doing it. Whereas I, I think of the Northern Hemisphere were doing their work while we were asleep and we were doing the work while they were asleep and it was a worldwide, like, it's a pandemic, you know. We had to find something for all of us. That's right. And I think that... As I say, all those amazing minds turned themselves towards this in a way that we probably need seen the world do before. But the science that we've gained here will benefit in all sorts of other ways into yeah. the future. And of course, now, as you know, we're beginning to see the emergence of therapies as well that will benefit potentially other viruses into the future. So right. I want to reassure everyone that Australia didn't rush anything. We followed ATAGI, the, the regulator, followed all of the prerequisites that are there to protect us because they have protected us for a very long time. Yeah. ATAGI proves everything in, in the drugs and therapeutics area and that's what's kept us safe. And no one's just going to go out and 
you know, give injections and immunisation. And I think that chatter is so negative. But when you're anxious, like women are in pregnancy, they just grab onto that. And again, that's what we want to reassure today. And I think COVID has created a such a disturbance in yep. our world that everyone has began to question many things. And so it's not unreasonable to want to be informed and to question the science sure. and, and hesitancy is okay. And yeah. and some people have also have, as we well know, have needle phobia. So we have we should not dismiss those ideas. Mm. But we do encourage people to go, as I say, to health. I've never thought about that. Health But you're right. (laughs) You're right. But we want to talk about the possible side effects of um, the immunisation during pregnancy. Are they the same as if when you and I had immunisations? So the common side effects are the same in pregnant women as they are in the general population. Many people have reported absolutely no side effects whatsoever. Some people, the most common things is, is a fever, feeling hot, flushy, those sort of things. A sore arm, definitely, from the injection site. Headache, muscle pain, joint pain and chills. They, they're usually short-lived and uh, only last a day or so. For some people, it was the first vaccine. For some, it was It's funny, second. that, isn't it? We're yeah. all special and different yeah. and we can all re- our bodies will all react in yeah. different ways. Yeah. But. Studies are found around the world that the side effects in pregnant women and their babies are, are no different. There are, of course, some very rare side effects. And uh, and if pregnant women are concerned at all about those very, very rare side effects, talk to your GP or your midwife about that yeah. because they've got access to really terrific information and they can talk you through those to give you the reassurance about how important it is to protect you and your baby but to be informed of your decision-making. Yeah. And with the pre-existing conditions, and some pregnant women certainly have some conditions, how would that be approached with immunisation? Because as we are saying, pregnant women can get very ill with COVID and the flu. So with women who carry some pre-existing illnesses or... Obviously, we say to women, in order to get the very best for your body and your baby... You want to be as healthy as you can. So, you know, get plenty of rest, eat well, hydrate, don't smoke, don't drink alcohol. And if you do have comorbidities or um, other things going on in your health, obviously you need to monitor those very closely. But that doesn't mean none of those things would prevent you from having the vaccine. The vaccine gives you that extra protection that will help prevent you from getting very unwell, ending up in hospital yeah. or on those rare occasions in intensive care. Yeah. And the other issue, but another issue is about fertility. So we have a lot of women obviously um, getting pregnant, but we've got IVF and all the complexities there. So we, we did see some some suggestions, not in the mainstream health media, but people suggesting that this would in some way impact on fertility and there is no evidence to support that whatsoever. There's there's nothing to suggest for any younger younger women or younger men that this has any impact on fertility. And and we've we've moved to try to reassure young people of that as of course we've moved into younger populations of yes. get of having access to the vaccine. Why was it that people were saying one vaccine was better than the other or, you know, I have Pfizer or you have 
AstraZeneca. Was that just chatter that got out of control? No, no. The recommendations by Atagi were very clear. Atagi, who are, again, you know, this amazing group of people who draw expertise from, from all over the, the world, including, of course, uh, immunisation nurses and nurses with expertise in hesitancy. So they looked at the evidence and saw that um, particular vaccines had a greater level of, of effectiveness or efficacy, as we often use the yes. word, against particular populations. Wow. And so as, as we looked towards a vaccine rollout program in those early days, we had to look at what vaccines were available to us in Australia um, because, of course, we were able to make AstraZeneca here in Australia. Mm. And then the supply of vaccines from overseas and balance that with the available information on where the vaccines had their, had their best use in different age groups. And we were able to do that because we had access to the data from overseas. So out of that, did a particular immunisation, was it found that one was more relevant for pregnant women? What's been recommended for pregnant women, and to some extent this is just for clarity, uh, is pregnant women were recommended to have the Pfizer vaccine, and that continues to be the advice. Yeah. So, of course, in the early days we had some challenges with the supply from overseas, but there's a there's a you can get a vaccine anywhere today. Yeah. You can do a walking clinic. You can yeah. go to a GP. So Pfizer is the recommended. Uh, vaccine for pregnant women. Yes. And you can go to some of, I think, 10,000 different places across the country where you can access a vaccine. Is it ever too late for a pregnant woman to um, be immunised? No, right. no. So any stage of pregnancy or post-pregnancy. Or early. Or, or before. Too, uh, right, if you're yeah. even, even thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, yeah. obviously now, you know, we have incredibly high levels of vaccination cover yeah. in Australia. Here in, in Victoria, of course, it's 90% yeah. of um, the over 12s have now got double dose. And yeah. uh, that's a, it's a credit to everyone who stepped forward, as we call it, yeah. stepped forward. And that's why now we're free to get out and about and do the things we love. And, yes. you know, we are incredibly grateful and, and celebrate, yes. you know, Australia has always been a very um, highly vaccinated country. We do embrace vaccines really, really well as a country. And this is further evidence of when you ask an Aussie to do something. They do it. They do. We touched on it about immunity to the baby. And, and we know that lots of pregnant women, their immunity can last through the placenta to um, the baby for, I think it's four or six months. And... Uh, obviously it's the same with COVID, uh, to protect the baby in utero. Yes, that's right. So we're saying that the, the vaccine will protect both you and your baby, which is, of course, very important. Obviously, we're now talking about boosters for vaccines. Yeah. And so we're um, in Australia, we've commenced that booster uh, program. Mm. So I think there's some important points to clarify yep. here. So if you've had two doses of one of the approved vaccines in Australia, so AstraZeneca, Pfizer, or Moderna, that's considered fully vaccinated. Right. So to get that tick on your mobile phone, to get that tick that got us into the building this afternoon, yep. two doses is fully vaccinated. We are now looking to offer a booster to help, you know, just lift that immunity a little further. And those those are now available. But you do not need a third or booster dose to be considered fully vaccinated, two doses is fully vaccinated. So why are we hearing about boosters? Because the evidence is suggesting that for some people, there may be 
waning of that immunity. I think that it's important for me to emphasise, however, that all of these vaccines provide incredible levels of protection. Mm. But there may be, for some people, a waning of that protection. So a booster will just supplement and give you that longevity of protection that we're looking for. So remember, the vaccines protect you against severe disease, hospitalisation and death. The vaccines don't stop you from getting COVID. Most people are reporting either no symptoms or very mild symptoms, but it can still catch COVID when you've been vaccinated, which is why we still do all the things such yeah. as you and I didn't shake hands no. today. And, and we continue to do the things such as wearing masks where yeah. we don't feel that we can maintain that 1.5. And for, for pregnant women and breastfeeding women, I would re-emphasise that. So yeah. if you are in a crowded place where you can't maintain 1.5 metres, put on a mask or, or, or move to somewhere where you can Wash your hands. We all know the importance of that. And, and the things of cough et- etiquette and such like. And I think personally, I've, I have been happy about is that people now know how to wash their hands. As nurses, you know, it was drummed into us from day one and people now are aware and that's just good for public health. I think it is. And I think that um, hopefully there's a legacy of our children today, that yep. particularly the young ones now are so familiar with that pump. Yeah. Or just it becomes a habit. And yeah. Habits hopefully will stay with them for their lifetime. Yep. And so coughing into your elbow, yep. hand hygiene, uh, using a tissue, <laughs> all those things are uh, the things I'd love to see sustain yep. into the future. When women are in hospital birthing, what's the risk of them actually catching it in the hospital setting? So I think that throughout this COVID, the thing that has come so much to the fore, particularly in in hospitals and healthcare settings, is what we call infection prevention and control. So all of our hospitals have very strong protocols about how they make sure, whether it's uh, making sure that staff are fully vaccinated. So all healthcare professionals now are fully vaccinated. They were required to do so. That's a really strong protection. Then there are all the systems that make sure that they screen people coming in and out to make sure that they've not had symptoms. So they try to control not allowing the infection to get into the hospital. And then there are all the protocols about cleaning. And on some occasions, your midwife or your health professional, your obstetrician will wear certain levels of what we call and know now as PPE. It may be only a mask or it may be a full gown, mask and a visor. And they do that to protect both themselves and to protect you. But these have gone through rigorous training and and rigorous um, testing to make sure that they can do everything possible to prevent the spread of infections. The thing that you and your partner can do before they come in is make sure that if you have any symptoms whatsoever, even during outpatients, uh, visits, or as you go into labour, make sure that you tell the health professional before you get there if you have any symptoms. Now, that's the same for vaccinated or unvaccinated. If you've got symptoms, get tested straight away. And, 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 and just through nursing for many years, both of us, we were always taught that, you know, to prevent infection, that that was the barrier nursing, wasn't it? That, uh, that you, you nearly have to treat anyone to protect yourself and to protect the patient from getting any, not just COVID, but, you know... Yeah. All of our hospitals work through a whole, what we call a hierarchy of infection prevention mm. control measures so that we can uh, do everything we can 
to keep people safe. That's not to say everyone knows there has been some outbreaks. This is an awfully sneaky virus and it will yeah. exploit the smallest chink in our armour. Yeah. So everyone continues to work very hard um, to make sure we can keep mothers, babies and family partners safe. When are we going to or are we going to immunise children under 12? Okay, so at the moment there are some there are some places in the world, not many, where they are immunising uh, younger children. I think in, in recent days Minister, Minister Hunt, the Minister for Health, has talked about how we're currently looking at that information. So first of all, it's the um, Therapeutics Goods Administration who approves all of those vaccines. And it will continue to work with the vaccines companies to make sure there's enough, as we call it, evidence or information to demonstrate it's safe with children. Once that happens, if a TAGI approve a vaccine for use in young children, then a TAGI will then look at what is the advice around when it's given, who it's given to, and, and the, of course the interval of you know, what first, age should, first yeah, or yeah. second yeah. doses. So that's a and what and what immunisation. So the companies make applications to Australia, right? So, so a company would make an application to the TGA to yeah. say, um, "We'd like you to consider our vaccine for children." That's the process that happens. So it's a very clear, defined, and rigorous process that allows make to, to give us that confidence in that process. Obviously, then there'll be a program of looking at how we will get the vaccine to children, mm. um, and there's. As with all of these, the entire vaccine, we've gone through very detailed training for all health professionals. Mm. So any health professional who delivers a vaccine to you, your child, has had to complete yeah. mandatory training. Yeah, I've um, done mine. I've done mine too. Yeah. <laughs> and that will be the same again with children. So we'll go through yeah. that whole process of developing a paediatric or children's module. Everyone will need to complete it before they can complete yeah. vaccinated. Where would you suggest women go to uh, read and get the best information? So we always advocate that you go to our website. So it's health.gov.au. Yep. And that's the Commonwealth Department of Health. And so to reassure everyone about how a government department collects and provides information to the public, we use the, the most amazing experts from across the country. So... When looking at uh, advice on pregnancy, we'll go to the expert groups of, of midwives, of course, and of, of, of um, obstetricians, gynecologists. And then we'll also go to the expertise of infectious diseases physicians, public health physicians, experts on, on vaccines, of course, through the um, ATAGI, the expert group that provides yes. government on mm. vaccine advice. And then, of course, also the Australian Health Protection Principle Committee that's become so central to the advice and the management of this pandemic. And, and many people would be, of course, familiar with that today. Yeah, sure. It wouldn't have been before. Alison, is there anything you'd like to leave this conversation with too? Because I am so passionate about these ladies and their, their babies and partners. It's hard enough being pregnant and hearing chatter outside, isn't it? Let alone during a pandemic. My final words again, would be the things that make most sense. So do look after yourself and your body. You know, we know, eat well, sleep well, don't smoke, don't drink alcohol. There's the things you should be doing as you're leading up to your pregnancy or when you're pregnant. Make sure that you're cautious and careful and follow those COVID safe things and, and listen to the advice of the experts who's now saying to you, wherever you are in your pregnancy journey, 
now is the time to be vaccinated. Yeah. So go out. And if, you, if you're at all concerned, that's fine. It's yeah. fine. Make sure you go and get the most reliable information. So go to health.gov.au yep. or talk to your GP or your midwife about your concerns and they will help you understand the uh, the um, important information about a vaccine. But this is a time when you really need to go yeah. and make sure you get um, expert advice from health professionals and uh, and not take it from any of the other places you might find. Yeah, and what, what I've learned today is that it's given right through pregnancy, any time of pregnancy, any stage weeks, months of pregnancy, it is, you know, encouraged to have. So I think that's very important for people to know. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. And I know my listeners, they come back and talk to me and tell me that they listen um, when they're up breastfeeding or, you know, when they're going on a walk. And so, you know, a lot of people will hear this and, and be very grateful for your information as I am. So thank you so much for taking the time and talking to me. And and thank you for the opportunity. This has been Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin. Listener.